Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. Our mission is to live the way of Jesus so we can leave the world better than we found it. If you'd like more information about our church, you can click on the link in the show notes or head to Christ-Community.com. All right, let's get started. Uh, now we're going to continue worshiping uh, in the reading and uh, preaching of God's Word. We had a guest preacher with us this morning. Many of you would know him well. He's been with us uh, three times already, I believe, over the last year. I love church planters because I love church planting. I also love church planters because they don't preach every week. And I can drag them in over here. So uh, (laughs) Stephen Gilchrist is with us again. We're so happy to have him. Uh, He is uh, going to be planting uh, with his family. Uh, uh, in Fairburn, Georgia, on the south side of Atlanta, and uh, he told me they have a website already, so I, I done Googled it uh, as I was standing up here. So uh, if you would like to know more about what's going on, obviously you can speak uh, with Stephen, with his wife Ebony as well, who's here with him this morning, but the website is jubileefellowshipatl.com. Uh, so you can go to that, learn more about what they're going to be doing in planting uh, this church. Uh, and as well, I would encourage you to think about giving toward them as well. Uh, it's, uh, we love seeing new churches that are being planted, that uh, love the gospel and love the whole application of the gospel. And I have great confidence that uh, that is what the Gilchrist are going to be all about. And so check that out, jubileefellowshipatl.com. Uh, So we're excited to have him back with us preaching this morning. He will be preaching from Mark 9, verses 14 through 29. We read that for us now. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him immediately, it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took the boy by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Stephen, let me pray for you. Lord God, we thank you for Stephen. We thank you for Ebony, for Leah, for Titus. We thank you for this work that you have called them to in planting your church in Fairburn. And we thank you that you called them this morning 
uh, over with us and uh, Stephen to preach God's word to us. And so we pray that our hearts and his heart would be soft to what you have for us this morning, Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Man. Ooh. <laughs> Got a little heat there. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to be back here. Um, I have told y'all before, and it's still true. You guys are my church home in Athens. Um, I am... I, I do football, Brother Ian, uh, and I do football because I knew I was coming here in the morning, and I told my wife on the way home, we were at a, a friend's house celebrating them, and it was the third quarter. Things weren't looking good, and I was like, Lord, I don't know if anybody going to show up if this score don't change, and look at God, look at God. Uh, I root for you guys. I don't root for Georgia. I just got, I mean, you guys know I'm, I'm a sooner. I'm, that's, I just can't root for Georgia like that, but um, I am a fan of this church. I thank this brother, bless this brother, having celebrated another year. Um, every time I come, it seems like the song before I get ready to preach is always a song that ministers to me, especially, and I've never spoken to Ian about what song I'd like for him to sing. But brother, you have always been sort of just like Johnny on the spot right there, blessing me. Hello. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Uh, so as you see, we are in Mark 9. Uh, I want to tag this text. In running the rat race, God gets a vote. In running the rat race, God gets a vote. Now, every new year can act like a restart or reset button. We get to reassess our values our commitments, our life goals, and all those things that require a great deal of time for the rest of the year. And yet here we are on the first day, on the first month in 2023. And I want to challenge us to look past the physical. From vision boards to new life goals to eating and exercising regularly, three to five times a week with a calorie deficit or, or whatever it is that you might have or have not planned. There's not a shortage of assessments being done. And hear me when I say these assessments or reassessments are not bad things, but I want to challenge you to look past the physical. Mm -hmm. We all have a mode of operation that has been and continues to be influenced and shaped by family, friends, role models, peer groups, peer pressure, our uh, childhood culture, our current culture, our ideal culture, and even a hybrid. Our MO tends to lead us to focus on one thing only, if we're honest, on being productive. <laughs> How will we know if we're doing a good job? If we're being effective, if we're killing it at home, if we're killing it at school, if we're killing it at work, and then the weirdest statement that comes often is if we're killing it at church, mm -hmm. right? Once we find that good groove, we're inclined to turn on cruise control. Because after all, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't fix it. But don't look past the physical. 
You see, this way of thinking and how we run the rat race, saints, is not formative. It's often foolish. It's often misleading because God always gets a vote. The society has trained us well <laughs> to the point that we primarily live in a cycle of work. Repeat that with me, cycle of work. Cycle of work. What I mean there is that our output is preeminent. Our output is the paramount thing because we begin with, get this, effectiveness. <laughs> and then we go to sustenance or significance. Because the more effective we are, the more significant we are. And then from that significance, we draw our sustenance. And then from that sustenance, we find the thing we've been looking for all these days, which is acceptance. Mm -hmm. And here in Mark 9, Jesus came preaching another cycle. Say with me, cycle of grace. Cycle, cycle of, of grace. grace. In this cycle... It's actually the inverse of our cycle. Mm -hmm. To where, get this, you woke up beginning in a sentence. If you are a child of God, you woke up accepted by God, loved by Jesus, filled by the Holy Spirit. Amen, Amen somebody. Come on. So you go from acceptance to sustenance. And then from sustenance to significance. And then from significance to effectiveness. Good. In essence, Jesus is telling us this morning, don't let your emotions or your efficiency mean more than your faith in Jesus. Because God gets a vote. Now, I got four points today, and I'm going to get out your way. Okay. <laughs> I got four points today. I'm going to get out your way. Here's what you might not know about the book of Mark. Much like every other gospel, Jesus is on the scene and he's preaching the kingdom of God is near. He is on the scene and he is preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. And he's got 12 ragtag dudes with him. And he does this amazing thing twice. He equips and empowers the 12 to go out and do ministry. And one of those things he equips them to do is to have the power to cast out demons, cast out spirits. Now, how cool would it be? Let's say on like Thanksgiving night, right? Right before you go out and get the candy, you want to get rid of all the crazy people. Jesus love them, but you want to get, you want to get rid of them because we got... <laughs> Take care of my babies. And so you get a chance to kind of just send them out, get their candy, and go home. Like, end all the crazy, go home inside. Right? And then let us go and go get all this delicious candy that's just going to ruin our teeth. They have this, this power, and they are effective, y'all. They go out, they obey God, and they cast out the spirits. And they do it twice. And if you've done it two times, what do you expect to happen on the third time? Mm -hmm. You expect the same thing, right? It just makes sense. This is what I've done here. I did it here. So sure enough, I'm going to do it right here. Well, that's not really how this, this thing pans out. At the beginning of chapter 9, we see Jesus, Peter, James, and John go up a mountain, have this Mount of Transfiguration event. 
Meanwhile, there's a group of people looking for Jesus. They're looking for him because there's this father who has a boy who has an unclean spirit. And he's mute, and he is deaf, and he is going through it. Mm. He's been going through it since childhood. That every parent and every father in here can relate to that father. Mm. If your child is struggling mightily and you can't do anything to be effective, mm -hmm. you will search high and low for Jesus to go and make your boy clean. Mm -hmm. But they're down at the bottom. Jesus is up on the mount talking to Elijah and Moses, trying to tell Peter, look, chill out. I'm, I'm the one. Don't worry about Elijah and Moses. They don't need their own little tent. I'm the one, and God comes and said, this is my son, obey him, right? And then on the way down, what they encounter is this other event that's kind of happening before they come. So this group is coming, looking for Jesus, and the disciples are like, hey, we got this power. We've been effective before. You don't need Jesus. We got it. So they come up to him. So all the nine that are there waiting for the, the, the three and Jesus come down and they say, hey, my son has this problem. And the disciples are like, oh, we got this. But they don't got it. They actually cannot cast out this demon. So then they begin to argue. And isn't it funny how sometimes people will encounter us and we always, we don't always smell and talk like Jesus. So then we begin to misrepresent Jesus in their eyes. That's why there's arguing. Wait, wait, you, you said you can do what Jesus can do and you can't cast them out. What good are you? What's this thing you've been going around saying? Why did you get our attention? And so here we are. They came to the disciples. They see a great crowd around them. And scribes are arguing with them, teachers of the law, arguing with them. And immediately, crowd sees Jesus. And oddly enough, they're greatly amazed. They're very happy. And they run up to him and they greet him. Now, some are running up to him because he's who we came for. And some are running up to him and saying, your disciples couldn't do this. So all the stuff you've been talking ain't really worth nothing. Mm -hmm. Your, your Christianity ain't, ain't worked much because the ones who follow you have not been effective. Someone bold enough listens to Jesus when he says, what are you arguing about with him? Now, who do you think he was talking to at that point? He's talking to disciples. Why are you arguing with these people? The father jumps up. And he, he just gives it to him how he knows. Teacher, I brought my son to you. Stop there. Why are we arguing with them? Because I brought my son to you. See, right there in that, in that phrase, if, you, if you're not really just catching it, it's that father saying, are you really who you say you are? Are you really who you say you are? If they can't be effective, are you true? Are you the Christ? Are you the one that we're supposed to be looking for? Then he says, my son has a spirit that makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds. 
excuse me, grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And our first point here is when you're dependent on effectiveness, you're liable to discredit Jesus. You see, this father came in a panic, and the disciples wanted glory. This father came looking for answers, and the disciples were saying, we are the answer. The buck stops with us. The disciples wanted glory for themselves. And the father who wanted answers actually just turned to anger because the point of being effective was not actually being put on display there. What was being put on display was actually them discrediting Jesus. How often are we on cruise control? I mean, we, we can be honest, right? We got daily things to do, weekly things to do. There's always something to do, right? And for those of y'all who are Georgia fans, y'all made sure it wasn't nothing going to get in your way of being in front of the TV at that said time, and you would stay up to how long it took. And that's all right. But cruise control Christianity is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because when you do that, you're actually saying that to Jesus, I got this. Mm. I don't really need you at this point. When I run into a big thing that I can't take care of myself, then I'll look to you, the author and perfecter of my faith. We say those things, but we're really living this cruise control Christianity. Disciples are no different. Jesus came down from that mountain and he found a disruptive crowd, a dejected father, a demon-possessed son, and he found defeated disciples. But what we're going to see is how Jesus hushed the crowd, how he helped the father. He healed the son, and he humbled the disciples. You see, the people of Jesus are indeed representatives of the saints. We are not Jesus. And all the glory goes to him, and he's the one who we should be pointing people to. Amen? Point two. When you're dependent on significance, you're liable to disbelieve Jesus. Verse 19, when the spirit seizes him, or excuse me, uh, and he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me again, Jesus talking to the disciples, and I actually think he's talking to the crowd as well. They brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Again, as parents, that very last phrase, we have probably said that at some point, whether you verbalize or you thought it. When your child was too little to get actual medicine, you would go and see a doctor. Okay, we'll just give it a couple of days. It'll go away. You're like, but my child is not healed by the time I leave this office. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us before the anger in me comes out. And if you're a mama baby, Ooh, ooh, yeah, I know about that. 
but he is saying his heart. The very first time he said, I brought my son to you. Where were you? Why weren't you there for me? Now he's saying, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. You see, the disciples were dependent on being significant. They wanted this crowd to see all the cool things God had given them to do. And if we're honest, don't we sometimes want to show off what God has given us to do? Listen to how I pray. Listen to how I, I preach. Listen and see how I serve. See how I sing and lead the body on Sunday. Truth control Christianity. It, it tends to make us think that we're the main attraction. Mm-hmm. That we're the ones that people came to see. One commentator said, said this way, the doubts and the disbelief of the crowd, get this, do not determine Jesus's willingness or his ability to act. You see, he comes and he sees this dejected group. And he knows what's going on because he knew all. And like Ian said earlier about CJ, it's true of the disciples, it's true of us. They had a very limited view. They didn't see how this was casting doubt and disbelief on Jesus. They were just so shocked, like, what? But we've done it before. Why can't we do it again? What's what's going on? Like, this is why they wait to the very end and go inside the house, because there's a lot of shame there. Hello? There's a lot of shame there when you can't do what you've done before. When you're kind of like, well, I'm really good at this. I don't, but I can't get this done now. I I got this shame. I kind of want to hide and figure something out. Fathers, his his passion to just say, help me, actually lays out what should have been the heart of the disciples. But when, when you're trying to be so significant, you have a hard time mustering that out. I know I do. When I want to show my, my kids how strong I am, how wise I am, and I can't get something done, I don't know if y'all, y'all ever seen the comedy show. I don't know. I, did we cancel the comedy show? I don't know. But there's a part in there where there's a son named Elvin who's married to a daughter. He has this pickle jar. He he can't open it. But he's too proud to let somebody know he can't open it. Yeah. So he grabs this jar, and he's struggling. And you can see all the veins popping down. The boy, like, bends all the way down. And then here comes a younger sister. She just comes, takes the jar, hits it on the, on the uh, bottom makes a little pop sound, turns it upside, opens it. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I loosened it for you. That's why you were able to do that. And I have that same proclivity. Maybe you do. Here I am. I'm a seminary graduate. I'm an ordained PCA minister. So you know I had to go take some tests, right? I'm a church planner. And I would actually care more about what you think about what I do as opposed to who I am. So what I do and how I do it matters more than how I treat my family at times. How effective I am at delivering a message matters more than how effective I am at going to the one who has all the answers. Depending on significance, can cause us to 
not utter these words that the Father does because we don't really believe Jesus has those answers because we're still looking within ourselves. Point three, when you're dependent on self-sustenance, you are liable to doubt Jesus. Verse 23, and Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> now, we've heard that phrase all the time, and I think we even repeat that phrase, and I'm not really sure that we do it in the right context mm. at times, but that's the preacher in me, mm. right? And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, ah, oh, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. This man had enough, I want to say, panic to go to Jesus. He's looking for anything. Disciples say, hey, I, I can do it. So he, he goes to them because he can't find Jesus. They can't do it. He gets angry. He sees Jesus. He's excited again. Okay, you fix my son. Heal my son. Have compassion on us. And Jesus says, because Jesus is always faithful like this. And this is good for us to hear on the first day of the first month. Yeah. Do you believe in me? Mm -hmm. This father did not believe that Jesus could heal him. He was just out of options. Mm -hmm. He was desperate. And yet and still, he invited the father to have faith in him. Saints, he does the same with us. Any day you find yourself just kind of going about, you realize, man, I probably haven't prayed today. I probably sinned because of, let's just call it bad drivers, not road rage, you know, not road rage, bad drivers. Uh, you know, things didn't really work. And I'm, I'm running late. I'm, I got a real tight schedule. I think everybody that works at any place I go to, to know my schedule and to do things expeditiously. And when they don't, I get angry. I get impatient. I get a little short with them. I might even say a couple of things that I really shouldn't say. Mm. And then at some point you're like, man, I, I, really, I really don't smell like Jesus today. Mm. I really don't. I have not been representing him well. I, I mean, I am the light and I've probably been going to places that are dark and just kind of forgetting that I'm supposed to light this place up. But I've, I've been really so focused on how I make my day go the way I need it to go. Because it's not me. I've been na navel gazing all, all day and I've kind of forgot about Jesus. Now I don't know if, if Jesus can step in. Have I, have I done and said too much? Is there too much built up for him to actually work through everything I've been doing? When you're dependent on self-sustenance, you are liable to doubt. Jesus, another commentator says it this way. The following pronouncement of removing any doubt when he says everything is possible for one who believes was not just presented to the father, but to those who could hear, i.e. the disciples. 
And on the other hand, the phrase, everything is possible, refers to the omnipotence of God, the one who has created all things and has the power to do all things. And saints, here's the question. Do you actually believe this? If you ever find yourself panicking this week, desperate for, for answers, needing somebody to move something in your favor, did you actually think God can do all things? Mm. Or was it, well, I've got a great network. I know the right people to call. I know who to talk to. I know how to send an email in such a way that I can get on the good side. Jesus asserts that since he acts in God's authority, he can do everything. And what the disciples forgot is that they have, and we have, delegated authority. You see, when Jesus gave the disciples the ability to cast out demons, that wasn't their authority and theirs alone. It was something that God gave them. And saints, every good and right gift that you have, you got from God. It's delegated to you. It is not yours to keep and to hoard and say, look at me, look at how good and how great I am. Look how much the church needs me. It is for you to then turn back and use to his glory to bless the body, to build and edify, and maybe even to reach out to a desperate father who hates God. But he's so desperate, he would go to Jesus and say, have compassion on me. Jesus does the very thing that this father wanted, all by asking this question, if you can, then Jesus, speaking directly to this spirit, commands complete and permanent care. Isn't that awesome? This desperate father who did not believe wanted the very thing that Jesus gave him. Now imagine what he would do for his children. Imagine what he would do for you if you would but believe. I believe, help my unbelief. I only believe so much that I actually came and saw after you and a crowd came with me, but I don't really believe you can actually heal. And Jesus says, okay, let me show you who I am. Let me show you who my father is. I'm going to give you complete and permanent healing because Jesus alone sustains. Leads us to our fourth and last point. When you're dependent on being accepted, saints, you are liable to not depend on Jesus. Here in the text, it says, and when Jesus entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to him, to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now get this. They've been traveling with Jesus all this time. Nine were down at the bottom of the mountain, waiting on the three and Jesus to come down. <clears throat> but when they can't actually show themselves effective, feel good about themselves and feel significant, they go into a house that's already private and then go to a separate room to ask him privately, why could we not cast it out? You see, sometimes when it's so much about you, you have a hard time just being transparent before our king. Mm -hmm. 
God, do you, do you see me? I mean, I know you're all powerful, you're all wise, you're all knowing. So you you know what I'm thinking, you know that I've sinned, you know that I've messed up. And yet, why do I hide? Why do I act like I need to kind of get away from the eyes of people to ask you a question? Why could we not cast it out? And he says, prayer. Now, doesn't that sound weird? Because in the first two times when Jesus gave them this power, he did not command that they pray. So what is Jesus getting after? Well, I think he's saying this. Prayer is when you turn to God for everything. Prayer is when you recognize that you don't have the power of your own ability to get this done. So you go to the one who can. Saints, what's the last time you prayed like God was all you had? When was the last time you prayed like, if you don't actually get this done, I'm done. If you don't actually get this done, this can't happen. If you don't actually get this done, then I've got to come back and tell somebody that I can't do this thing. And so he's telling them this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer because they have been acting like us when we act like the world. Mm-hmm. It's all about me. My main goal is to be effective. And then now I want you to accept me because of all that I can do, all that I can accomplish. And we do that in our homes with our children. We do that at the church, at our jobs, with family, especially like whenever family get together. Sometimes it's a big competition of like, man, look at how, how good my kids are, how quiet mine are compared to yours. <laughs> man, you, you can't get your kids to be quiet. Mm. My kids are so well behaved. Let me tell you about this family structure book that I've been reading. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't say amen. You can say ouch. Here, Jesus is saying, look, if you knew how much I accepted you, if you knew how much I accepted you before I came down this mountain, if you knew how much I accepted you before I gave you this power, if you knew before I sent you out two by two, if you knew before I called you to myself to be my disciples, oh, you will stop trying to prove to the world who you are and just be your, your sense of, of proving your worth and your identity was already wrapped up in the one who called you, who died for you, who was raised for you, who went to go be on the right hand of the Father for you. Like Jesus saying this to us this morning, daughters and sons, child of God, <laughs> You are already accepted by God, so depend on me. You are already sustained by God and my finished work on the cross, so no need to doubt. You are already, get this, of the highest significance because of your faith in God. So go ahead and trust in me. You are already effective because God's prepared works for you to carry out and given you the power to do them. So no need to discredit me. 
You are already loved and accepted. And can I add some more in there? Just because it's the first day of the first month of the year. You're already righteous. You're already loved. You're already enough. You're already justified. You're already adopted in. You are already sealed with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And all those things happen because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when you place your faith in him, saints, you got all those benefits. <clears throat> and you wake up with them. And you go about your day with them and you go to sleep with them. And if you don't do a family discipleship or a morning uh, time of reading and meditation or or there's something that you forget to do that are part of the, the spiritual disciplines, you're still accepted. Mm -hmm. You are still his. He is always for you on your side. So in this rat race that we call life, that we will run as soon as we leave this building and as soon as school comes back and our kids can go back to school. <laughs> God gets a vote because in him you are accepted. Therefore, you are significant. Yeah. Therefore, that's your sustenance. Then you can go out after that and be effective. This is already prepared works for you to carry out. So here's why we look past the physical, saints. Because Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. They hung him high and they stretched him wide. He hung his head and for you and me, he died. But that's not how the story ends, children. Because in three days, Jesus rose again with all power mm -hmm. in his hands. That's love. And he loves you too much to let you run this race without giving him a moment because yeah. he's already given us so much. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let us pray. God, we thank you as we are able to look back on all you've done for us through your son, through your spirit. Help us to walk out of here Believing this, cherishing this, being, being upheld and built up by this truth will help us to look to you, trust in you. Help us to rejoice as we sing now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all saints said, amen. amen.